0: Well, good morning. We have a uh, real special treat today. We have Sharon and Ruth Slon here to share about uh, their ministry. They're one of two of our missionary couples uh, that minister in the Ukraine. And if uh, if you've watched the news at all in the last couple of years, you know that uh, things over there, uh, I would use the word spicy. Ruslan had a different definition this morning as I was talking to him and um, they're gonna fill us in and um, and we're just glad to have him here we've been praying for you guys and supporting you guys and and just holding you up and especially you as you've been in country so come on up you guys I don't know who's going first probably a tag team effort I'm sure but uh, welcome to Addy good morning yeah good to see you guys and uh, good to see some of our friends uh that are here all the time. Good to see uh, Danny Stone and um uh, Roman and Rebecca and the kids Taturevich from Ukraine as well. And uh good to see my family. Haven't seen them uh till last week for two and a half months, almost three months of uh just being away from the family. But uh Sharon had to be here, take care of her mom. Uh she uh, has later uh, term of uh, dementia, so uh, hard time. And, um, but anyway, I'm Ruslan uh, from uh, Ukraine. Uh, we work with Youth with the Mission um, uh, in uh, Ternopil which is Western Ukraine, about four hours from the border with Poland. So nowadays it's kind of actual information to give how far are you from the border because uh, before the 24th of February, uh, we had people, uh, you know, missionaries, uh, foreigners, uh, they started moving closer to the western border because it was impending uh, doom. Uh, You could feel it. Uh, Planes stopped uh, flying over Ukraine. Uh, Nobody wanted to insure planes anymore. Uh, I could, uh, if you know, there are apps where you watch planes Uh, that are in the area, the flight trackers, and um, you could see uh, NATO and US uh, military planes just uh, making circles for hours and hours around Ukraine. And they're still doing, if you wanna see, you can kind of see them in Poland and Romania watching uh, what's going on in the area. But that was kind of a new reality for us, and uh, I remember the day before, war started, uh, we had pastors meeting because at our YYM base we have a uh, kind of ministry where the pastors, come, uh, local pastors come from the city and it's a neutral zone, not anybody's church. And they pray, they discuss uh, projects and, um, and the guy in charge of it at that time he was uh, saying we might see thousands of refugees tomorrow. Uh, or day after tomorrow. And we were like, okay, you know, maybe. And he's like, you gotta be ready, you gotta make beds, you gotta uh, prepare your churches. And, uh, and that's what happened. The next day, we just imagine this uh, sanctuary. Uh, in this hall, it would be all beds everywhere. And just imagine preparing food for the people, so we had cooks uh, 24-7. You know, people were fleeing from the attacks, from the bombing, because it was uh, pretty much the whole Ukraine, especially Eastern Ukraine was uh, being bombed, um, um, jets bombing and uh, shelling. Uh, There was shelling happening from Belarus, and uh, Russia, and Crimea uh which has been taken uh, for eight years already by russian forces so um yeah so it was just a, a new concept a, n- a new reality uh like uh, some of the conservative churches where their pews are actually screwed to the floor they had to unscrew them and move them out to prepare beds for people and that was uh, also algorithm change of your Christian life you know you're so used to you know like you um, uh, you almost inscribe on the pew I've been here in 1957 and now you have to move it Uh, you know it's a new reality and then um, yeah uh, we've seen thousands upon thousands actually our house uh, is not too far from the road that leads uh, in a direction towards Poland. And you'd look out at night and you'd see uh, cars driving day and night towards uh, Poland uh, or Hungary. And uh, yeah, the new concept of curfew at uh, 10 o'clock PM, we had to be at home, otherwise you're considered a potential enemy. Uh, At 9 p.m. you had to turn all the lights off. It was February, so it was still dark. And uh, uh, just uh, thousands of people. And somehow people knew about our uh, base. They came, they called. We had a 1-800 number there already. It was just like the Holy Spirit was working all the logistical stuff. Had a 1-800 number we had. Uh, people in charge of getting people from their uh, war zones over to the base. Then we would help them find a place where uh, to get to the border, and then uh, uh, and then once they cross over, to help them s- get somewhere in you know Romania, Poland, Czech Republic, uh, Hungary, and uh, Germany, France. Uh, Holland, all these countries have, uh, you know, they opened their doors uh, for the refugees and uh, mostly it was (coughs) moms and little kids, moms and kids uh, because men were supposed to stay uh, and, uh, you know, pick up the arms and fight and um, so that that was just constant motion and uh, Yeah, like I said, we had cooks cooking uh, 24/7. Neighboring churches and neighboring uh, YWAM ministries—they started bringing all this food. All the uh, 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 even businesses, local businesses, they would cook at their business and they would bring food to the uh, base and uh, feed uh, feed the people. And it just went on like that for maybe five to six weeks, and, uh, and then it kind of subsided, things kind of settled a little bit, uh, mostly all the fighting stayed in the east. Uh, thankfully, Kiev was not captured because uh, uh, Putin was supposed to uh, get hold of it within 72 hours, and uh, I mean, thank you for praying. And the Lord has performed uh, his miracle in the sense of keeping the capital not occupied. And that was a big miracle and uh, lots of fighting. And uh, there's still lots of fighting happening, but uh, maybe we can uh, show some of the pictures. Uh, Yeah. But I wanted to uh, also, while we're getting this ready, I uh, wanted to uh, share a little uh, revelation uh, that I had from the parable of Good Samaritan. Uh, we think about, uh, we, we've we heard many times about the Good Samaritan, but uh, my new revelation after, I heard somebody say it when they were working at the border with the refugees and they were, saying, well, we, we didn't have inter- an interpreter to talk to these people. And, uh, and I said, don't worry about it. They saw your actions, you know. Uh, think of the good Samaritan. When he saw the guy that was beat up on the ground after all the devout, you know, believers walked on because they were in a hurry, they had things to do. But the good Samaritan had also good things to do but he stopped. He helped the guy. Probably that guy was unconscious, so he didn't need an interpreter to talk to him. You know, he just picked him up, t- took him to the hotel, and uh, uh, took care of him. And he also paid for the, uh, you know, for his stay. And he said, if he needs more help, I will pay for it. So that was another revelation for me, is that. You know, sometimes we don't need to stick around in that area and, and be, we can be wise and just, you know, pay for the person to be taken care of. But he went on with his business, but he did the main thing. He took, gave him initial help. And uh, so God sees what we're doing in our heart. He sees what we're, uh, what our heart, where our heart is in uh uh, response w- somebody, uh, to somebody's need, and um, and I know that uh, there's a lot of uh, conflicting ideas about helping Ukraine during this time. And um, but uh, back in 1994, Ukraine was still one of the most nuclear nations in the world, it, and uh, at that time, Russia the US and England, they came to Ukraine and said, we will help you if you give up your nuclear weapons and uh, we will protect you in case somebody attacks. And and guess what happens? Russia attacks, but England and uh, the US, they're helping us during this hard time and they're uh, helping protect us, uh, helping w- with weapons And uh, and I appreciate all you guys' help, so thank you for your taxes that you pay for, uh, uh, to protect our nation. Um, yeah, so we'll share some of the pictures and more stories.
1: Yeah, thanks. So great to have Ruslan here. Um, yeah, just as the pictures are coming up, I, I wanted to, s- to say first of all that um, a year ago when we were here sharing, I would never have thought in a million years that this would be our message uh, this year. Uh, This war in Ukraine is not something that uh, anyone expected. Um, In November, I started getting these messages from our our friends and family here in the States asking if we were okay and, you know, what's going on over there. And after the second or third email, I asked Ruslan, is something going on? Because I keep getting these messages from the States. I don't know what they're talking about on the news over there, but it was so not something that any of the people that I was spending time with in Ukraine felt a concern over. Uh, However, in early December, uh, Ruslan and I and and the co-director, Yaroslav, of uh, Youth with a Mission in Chernobyl, we got together to pray um, for the upcoming year, and we're just wanting to get a a feel from the Lord of of what he was saying about um, 2022. It had already been a a tumultuous fall. It was about a week after sending the Tatoreviches back here to the States um, to get some... Of the much-needed hospital care that Rebecca was in need of at that time and so there already was the sense that things um, you know we were in a battle to a certain degree but in the midst of our day of prayer and worship um, you know kind of one of those moments where you're not really thinking about anything in particular this phrase popped into my head and it was the phrase the battle belongs to the Lord And when I heard that, you know, there was this unsettled feeling in my gut because I wanted to make it about, you know, this COVID season we were going through or maybe about the health battle that the Taturevich family was was, um, on the beginning stages of. But deep down inside, I I felt like it was more than that. Uh, About a week later, our family um, was on a plane on the way to the Republic of Georgia to speak in a DTS there, to teach in a DTS there. And when we came back, uh, uh, Ruslan, in on just just a, I don't know, last minute moment, he felt to enter into Ukraine, not on his Ukrainian passport, but on his American passport. Um, he has both, and this isn't the normal procedure, because as an American, without a visa, you can only be in Ukraine for up to 90 days until you have to leave again. Of course, as a Ukrainian citizen, you can be there as long as he wants to. Um, But when the war started in February, what that meant is that he was in country as an American citizen and not as a Ukrainian citizen. And that is the only reason why he's here with us this morning because Ukrainian Ukrainian military aged men are not allowed to leave, um, as Ruslan said, because they may be drafted for the war. Now, uh, right right around uh, the end of January, early parts of February, you know, things were getting in Ukraine. You know, war hadn't officially started, but things were getting complicated. Um, We had 30 DTS students that were on outreach, um, and they were getting a lot of concerned calls from their parents, and so we began this process of repositioning many of our DTS students um, out of Ukraine, uh, just not knowing what was going to happen. The day before Valentine's Day, Ruslan informed the girls and I pretty much, listen, I don't know what's going to happen, but I need you to go somewhere, go on vacation, go visit your mom, but I need you and the girls just to be out of Ukraine just in case. And this was a really difficult decision for us. We did not desire to go at all. I still did not believe war was going to happen. But there was a sense that, uh, that, you know, we needed, that that I needed to heed the wisdom of my husband and how he felt, and so uh, 24 hours later, the girls and I were on the train, um, training to Krakow, Poland. Uh, Even even then, there was an unease about flying out of Lviv, Ukraine, though the airplanes, you know, the airport was still working. Uh, We didn't have a plane ticket yet, so we were in, in process of making our travel arrangements. Um, We flew out of Krakow and arrived to Spokane, Washington, and the next day, the war started. And, you know, one of the things I recognized in that place was that um, because the girls and I were out, Ruslan was able to serve these multitudes of people that he was talking about um, as he was sharing. Uh, Otherwise, we would have been on the border, uh, 15 to 20 mile long lines of people trying to get across um, to safer places. So do we have some pictures up? Is it possible for me to see them too? Or can I just stand here? There we go. Um, So a little bit of our story, Uh, with the onset of the war, the first couple months, it just you know, they said over four million refugees left Ukraine the first uh, couple months of the war. Some of these pictures you've seen on the news, possibly, but it was it was as horrible as you can imagine. Um, the girls and I were on the plane back to Krakow about three weeks later. Uh, we were on the border serving um, the re- the incoming refugees that were coming over from Ukraine into Poland. Um, but these are some of the situations, these, these people are, are, this was their bomb shelter as they made their way to safer place. Someday this picture is going to go on my, on my wall. Um, this is a picture of a train station in Poland. And these are baby buggies that the women of the Polish women would leave at the train station so that when these Ukrainian women with their babies got off the train, they would have something as simple as a stroller to put their little babies in. Um, such, such a, uh, one of those random acts of kindness that spoke so much. Um, Beyond the masses of Ukrainian refugees coming out, we had truckloads of humanitarian aid coming in. So much so that we were able to get a uh, warehouse in Ternopil to be able to store the truckloads of food that would come through. And we are still distributing truckloads of food coming in from Europe throughout Ukraine. So I mentioned um, our time survey. The girls and I have been over the Atlantic Ocean five times since February, since the war started. Um, Most of that time we've been in Poland. We were able to go into Ukraine for a couple of weeks in June. But one of the uh, issues that has complicated our, our own lives personally is that when Ruslan came out of Ukraine in March to see us, early March or middle of March, Um, That was when he discovered that he would not be able to go back in on his American passport. So remember I said this 90 days. So he can be in Ukraine for three months in a a six-month period of time and then he has to stay out of Ukraine for three months. So right now he is in the three months out of Ukraine. Um, But that opened up many possibilities for him and our family to serve uh, along the, the refugee shelters along the borders of Poland. These are three of my heroes, uh, Ruslan, Yaroslav, and Andre. They are the leader, part of the leadership team of YWAM Chernobyl. These guys, um, yeah, they have been the hands and feet of Jesus, making decisions um, in a season of war in ways that I just don't even have words to express. Um, if, I could, if I could put a name on these pictures, it would be Horror, Hope, and Heroes. And that's really what this experience has been like for us, um, to hold a space of incredible horror and yet to recognize at the same moment this incredible hope that is coming through because of who Jesus is. This is the entrance into our building. Uh, You can see on the top, to know God and make him known, it served as a thrift thrift shop or a place to come and, and get clothing for free for our refugees for about six months. Again, another picture from the city of Kharkiv. Masses of people trying to get onto the trains and to a safe location. When the girls and I first came down to the border in um, along the Polish border, remember very clearly our very first day and thinking to myself, what do you say? What do you say when you sit and listen to stories of people's experiencing unspeakable things? Like there's nothing you can say. There's not words to make it better. And um, and what we recognized right away is the Ukrainians that we met. They wanted to tell their story. They wanted to express what they had been through, and um, and you know, I, many of those stories I couldn't even I couldn't even um, repeat to you. But what the Lord gave me to say, this is some of the refugees in the basement of our YWAM building. But what I felt to say over and over again, and I and I continue to say this over and over again. It's simply, don't give up. Um, There are good people in this world and they are wanting to help you and eventually you're going to find your way to okay and you're not alone. And sometimes, sometimes, um, could I pray for you? I think one of the most heartbreaking uh, stories of this horrible war has been the separation of families. Um, Many, the majority of um, the millions of Ukrainian refugees are women, um, children, and elderly people who've been uprooted from their homes, from their communities, and have had to leave their sons, their husbands, um, their fathers behind. And, um, you know, our family has experienced just a little bit of what that's like. And it is, um, yeah, it is not an easy journey. In another untold story of this war in Ukraine is all of the pets um, that have made a journey or have not, I mean, we've, I don't know, we saw every kind of dog and cat and hamsters and turtles and guinea pigs and every kind of animal you can imagine coming over the border with their families, and these were the pets that were lucky enough to make the journey We heard many stories of animals having to just be abandoned at the train stations because there just simply wasn't any space to take them along. Um, But you don't think about things like that. You know, our pets, they're a part of our family and to leave them behind seems impossible. Uh, We heard stories of of um, zoos, you know, zoos in the in the regions of Ukraine that are so under attack and and just abandoned and stories of the Ukrainian military feeding them some of their own rations to try to keep their suffering um, a little less. Yeah, is that what you were going to say? One of the um, profound parts of this experience for the girls and I and and for our whole family really is um, the response of the body of Christ around the world. I have never, like I said, I I have never sat in a space of such horror in all of my life, but I have also never been part of a move of God um, and and a response of the body of Christ from around the world like we've experienced during this time of incredible need. Um, One of my favorite stories is, this is our, uh, this is us, At the border in Poland, one of our YWAM tents, that was just a place for people to come and rest um, until transportation came for them for where they would go next into Europe. And you'll see some of the faces, the girls are there, and you'll see some of the faces of the refugees that we had time to spend a little time with. This was an incredible experience. I've only ever seen this in the movies. Um, You know, it was like the world came and set up camp, in um, along the border and every nation you could imagine was there trying to help the people of Ukraine. These are twin sisters 77 years old from Kharkiv having to leave for the very first time in their lives into Europe. Their daughters <coughs> both live in Europe in different locations. They shared with us that they've never been apart a day in their life but it was literally impossible for them to be in their homes because it was non-stop shelling. I had one lady that said that she was scared to death even to take a shower because she was so afraid that the bomb would hit while she was in the shower and she'd have to escape without any clothes on. I mean just um, people didn't want to leave. Uh, All the people that we spoke with left because there was no other choice. This was a special family that escaped with their cat. The girls especially got to know this lady and her husband. The cat got off the leash and for an hour, Gloria and Emily put together this whole team of people trying to, you know, to rescue this cat because this couple wasn't going anywhere without um, their special pet. And that was a very beautiful thing to, to watch. Um, yeah, just being able to come alongside this couple for a few days. But one of the experiences that was amazing to me as i was saying it's it's the response of the body of christ and uh, there was a lady that uh, was on staff allison in ywam chernobyl in years years before we came there um, who's ywam missionary but she spends a good part of her year in papua new guinea and when the war started she was in the jungles of papua new guinea at a very very remote uh, mission station there um, she told me it's amongst the, the poorest uh, people in the world that live there. I don't even think you can get to this village by by uh, car. And she is telling me all this, and she said, when the war started, I was sharing with my little church in this village, um, and, we, and we began to pray for you, and my church felt to take up an offering. And she hands me an envelope with $200 from the jungles of Papua New Guinea. Um, she said, "Would you buy medical supplies you know, for for the people of Ukraine um, with this money?" I mean, blown away. And another another uh, acquaintance who is into um, Scottish kilts, and and apparently you can um, create a weave of kilt to be created into the clothes that they wear, um, and that's very specific. And so they um, they felt to have a kilt weave made with Ukrainian colors and then they promoted it on their shop and um, some percent of whatever these kilts that were p- bought, those proceeds would go to Ukraine. And thousands of dollars came in from the selling of, of quilts, of kilts, of Scottish kilts that came in to, to help the people of Ukraine and just a couple of these amazing stories of, of again the body of Christ um, coming alongside and helping The people of Ukraine. Uh, The other thing that uh, we've been involved in from the very start, you guys know that my background is, uh, our background is uh, marriage coaching, debriefing, counseling, and so right away I knew that just as important are the physical needs that have been created from this war, but it's also the emotional needs. Um, People are traumatized, Um, from what they've experienced and so I felt right along right away that we needed to mobilize our pastoral care people and so one of the amazing things that has come about from that is setting up a respite uh, location in Krakow, Poland. Um, We have a team that's been on the ground there since the middle of March and we have five-day respite packages that are free for our staff and volunteers who are on the ground to come out, to have some rest, to meet with a trauma counselor, and hopefully to be able to fill them up a little bit so that they can go back and continue to serve on the front lines in Ukraine. This is again at the the Polish border crossing um, into Ukraine. Uh, We also, in June, we were able to go into Ukraine and we had a, a, a staff and volunteer respite retreat. We had over a hundred of our staff and volunteers from YYM Ukraine come and participate in that. For many of them it was the first time since the war started that they had an opportunity just to rest, to talk someone, to be able to process a little bit the impact of their own experiences. Many of our staff and volunteers have been uh, on the front lines in very dangerous places evacuating people. Many of our drivers have seen things that, that we don't ever want to have to see and, and just having trained professionals available to help them to process that is amazing. So you, you've heard me say several times this word volunteers. Um, when the war started, uh, the majority of our staff um, felt to leave for their own safety. Uh, we have more YWM Chernobyl staff that are currently displaced outside of Ukraine than we have uh, in Ukraine on the ground. We've consistently had four or five YWAM Chernobyl staff staff people that were able to stay behind. But the Lord brought over 50 volunteers to come and to serve through our base. All of them are internally displaced from the parts of Ukraine that have been so devastated by the war. And they really have become the the hands and feet of Jesus in this season um, of ministry in our location. Um, One of the things that was so amazing about that is uh, is these are mainly young people, um, 17 to 30 years of age, some of them have just come into faith of Jesus, others are in different places um, in their walk with the Lord. And so we had this crazy idea, why not do a discipleship training school um, in the middle of an active war zone in Chernobyl, Ukraine, and we just felt like the Lord said, do it. so we had, um, so we started the school off in the uh, middle of July with 24 DTS students. It, it, it is one of the largest DTS schools we've ever run at, through our base. And it's been such a blessing to watch these guys um, grow in their faith with the Lord. You'll see a couple of pictures here. This is back in, in the, um, the Polish uh, shelter, refugee shelter, and these are the girls' um, what what do you call it? Sanitizing the bedding that came through. Ruslan so has something he wanted to share.
0: Yeah, this uh, it's kind of like Costco uh, from England, and they uh, tur- uh, took all the stuff out, and they let uh, r- refugees uh, settle in. And you you can see all the cots. And uh, uh, in the beginning of war, they had about fifteen hundred people uh, rotate every day, kind of that got redirected and uh it's just uh, they had to clean every day the sheets were not washed uh or pillowcases they just sprayed uh, with alcohol later on they got some uh, better stuff but uh, they had uh, lice they had uh, scabies they had covid going around so it was uh it was quite a sacrifice for people to work there and um, everything was provided, and um, yeah, it, uh, it was a great place. And um, one uh, one time, uh, I'll there will be a picture. A lady came up to me, and she's uh, she's she's like, "I wanna go use the bathroom." Uh, I'm like, "Okay, go for it." And she's like, "Can you watch my stuff?" And I'm like, "Okay." She's like, uh, make sure you watch it because that's all. She
1: said, that's all I have left after 55 years um, is what is located in these suitcases. And she was looking for somebody like Ruslan to keep an eye on it so she could go and have a minute to herself. And that is, that was a very important job he had in that moment, um, that wasn't the only time he was asked to watch people's things, This, you know, we had, it, it was as, as safe a place as it could be, but of course we had, you had to, you know, there wasn't a secure place to keep your belongings. And so, uh, you know, again, you watch, you know, I look back, uh, this is a beautiful, beautiful mom with her two little girls. And I have been able to, she went to Holland. I have a cousin in Holland who's been keeping in in a relationship with these lovely young, young, this young family. Um, her husband is a colonel in the Ukrainian military. Um, but you you sit in the space of such horrible stories. And yet you recognize in that moment that you represent the hope that we have in jesus and and if there's anything that i personally have learned in this season it's um it's what a beautiful place it is to hold on to jesus what and i've thought a lot recently about psalms 23 where it talks about how when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death or the valley of the shadow of hard he is with us, and wherever he is, no matter how difficult and hard that place is, you know there's gonna be something good there because he is good, isn't that true? He is good, and so that is the one and only reason that I can look at these pictures, that I can, we can share these stories with hope. I do believe with all of my heart that Ukraine is going to be victorious in this battle, I do not know how long it will take, and I do not know what the cost will be. But I believe that because we serve a God who brings life out of the ashes, who brings hope to the hopeless, um, he, is, um, he is at work, and it has been our incredible, such a time of the, as this moment in our lives to be able to be part of the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, Again, these are busloads of Ukrainians coming over the border into Poland. Um, Every one of them has a story of loss and grief and trauma. Um, Michaela, go ahead and and move a little bit quicker through the pictures um, because there's a couple video clips at the end I wanted to share with you. Again, Ruslan spent a month um, serving here at this location, um, waiting to be able to go back into Ukraine. Some of you saw that he had some struggles getting out of Ukraine a week ago, if you follow my posts on Facebook. Um, So when Ruslan comes over the border on his American passport, they run his name through. This is one of the respite uh, groups that we had in in Krakow. Two two wonderful couples uh, serving just amazing, amazing servants of the Lord in different cities in Ukraine. Uh, this, sorry, I, I get, I just threw these pictures together this morning. There's so much that's happened that it's difficult to get it all situated in one, um, you know, PowerPoint. But this is our food distribution within Ternopel. This is the the respite retreat we had in June. These are our staff and volunteers. Um, this is what it looks like at a, at a block post in, in Ukraine. You can see the anti-tank and this, the, the, yeah, I was, I got to hang out with this young lady um, in Krakow. Just, just, precious, but for me that was the beauty of it is just to be able to share a space with these moms and their daughters and hear their stories. I had to throw that picture up because I just love these guys a lot. It's Ruslan and Yaroslav, and our base directors with Y women in Ternopil. Um, yes, but, uh, so, w- in terms of our DTS, uh, first, first week of our DTS, just such an amazing thing that God is doing. I mean, the last meeting I was p- I was part of when I left Ukraine in February was about repioneering our DTS and our base, and the first meeting I was part of when I came back in June was about um, what are we going to do with all these students.
0: Uh, these are the kids uh, getting shoes, and uh, American kids uh, raised uh, thirteen hundred and $50 uh, to buy shoes for a uh, uh, Ukrainian uh, IDP, uh, refugees, so that was kind of cool. That's before I left Ukraine, that's what we did, uh, just seeing uh, happy little kids uh, getting shoes before winter comes.
1: As as we finish, uh, there's a couple video clips that I want to show you and then uh, I'm just going to share about Ruslan's experience in coming over the border. So is more humanitarian aid being brought into uh, our YWAM base. Um, this is the warehouse that we're storing the larger, the larger aid coming in. Um, also, I didn't put any of these pictures up, but we have three projects, three Youth with a Mission separate projects going on right now of rebuilding houses. Um, so they're just like a very basic kind of container houses, but they're uh, they shelters that have a bathroom and a kitchen and a place to sleep for um, as many uh, places as we can raise funds to build them for in locations where um, people's homes have been completely destroyed. But go ahead and kind of, cruise through these pictures a little quicker. One of the great parts of being in Krakow is just friends from all over have come through Krakow en route to the different ministry projects that they've been part of in Ukraine. Again, this is is humanitarian aid for the army um, and medical supplies. We had, when we le- when I left Ukraine in February, we had one YWAM ba- bus. Now we have seven, um, I believe seven, how many? Okay, Ruslan says five. There's so many, every, if you were to count all of the buses of YWAM Ukraine national, um, we've just been buying them right and left because we needed them for evacuations, we needed them for the distribution of humanitarian aid, and now we have all these uh, volunteers. So, that's been a big gift of this process. Um, Are we to the end? Okay. Was there a video clip or two that came up? Yeah. It's the one, let's see here. I I just wanted you to hear um, one of the sounds of war. So, not that one. Sorry. (laughs) Yes. Go ahead and play this one. This is one of the sounds of war. So this is, in, this is downtown Ternopil, and these sirens go off most days. And what it means is that there's a missile flying somewhere overhead in Ukraine, and it hasn't been ruled out that it's not coming to Ternopil. And so the sirens go until um, they've ruled out that it's not heading in our direction. Um, and so it's it's a very interesting, um, it's a very interesting way to live because while Chernobyl has not been, um, praise God, it has not been hit by a bomb. We, we did have one bomb that was um, shot down and the shrapnel fell. Chernobyl City, okay, Ruslan says that we have had in Chernobyl City um, the outskirts and, and also in the county. But in general, Chernobyl has been um, less attacked by the war. But this is the reality of life. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Um, for our family in particular, uh, it has, you know, it has a really found a place of peace in just recognizing that Jesus holds our tomorrows. Isn't that true? He holds our tomorrows. I I often have wondered. there's that scripture that talks about how we shouldn't worry about tomorrow because today has enough, you know, enough things to figure out. And I always thought, like, Lord, um, I really feel like I can deal with what's going on today and also tomorrow, and I have enough capacity for next week probably, too. but, But this has definitely been a situation where I have been more than happy to leave tomorrow in Jesus' mighty hands because today has been plenty. Um... We we really don't know what the future holds for us. As I said, Ruslan, um, I don't know if you want to share just quick about your experience coming over the border.
0: Yeah, the, I just uh, have to, and I take it as from, the, uh, from God's hands that I have to be out of Ukraine for three uh, months, and uh, that's what I do. I'm in uh, Poland working with refugees, and uh, we're going to have the uh, Outreach for all these students. Uh, we're going to go into Europe and work, uh, do uh, hum- uh, humanitarian work and refugee work in uh, Poland, Romania, maybe work with gypsies there, and uh, um, maybe Germany and Holland. Uh, but um, because lots of people have left po- Poland alone has 5 million Ukrainians uh, right now. So there are. Uh, yeah, they're taking a toll, so it's a lot of work. And uh, m- so, yeah, I'm I'm here for the next three months and uh, on October 7th, I'll c- go uh, back to Europe and uh, come back here, so, but yeah.
1: There's a lot of back and forth, and I think what I, I wanted to share is that there's no guarantee that Ruslan will be able to go back in on his American passport And if they do let him in there's no guarantee that they'll let him out three months later because when he passes through they can also see that he possesses a ukrainian passport and so they are limiting you know the the ability for ukrainian men who may hold passports from other countries to be able to come and go easily so we just you know as i finish as we finish um, pray for ukraine especially in the next month pray for ukraine there's lots of things happening in Russia, there's lots of things happening in Ukraine. I ask people all the time, pray that this enemy would be defeated and then that the war would come to a close. Uh, Pray for Ukraine, pray that people would turn their faces to Jesus in this incredible time of need. We're already hearing stories of thousands of people coming to faith in Jesus and we know, we believe that, that good things will come out of this horrible time. And pray for our family as well. Um, this has been a whole new uh, journey of hard for us. Um, uh, we've shared as much as we had time to share in our little bit of, of time with you this morning. But pray for wisdom from the Lord to know how best to navigate uh, these next months. Our, I tell people often, you know, my, my homeland is, is here in the United States, but, um, this, but our home is in Ukraine. That is our community. Um, these are our people, and of course, we want to be there. Um, but we need to make those decisions that are best for our family and for our children and, and are safe and all of that. So um, we, we do really pray, ask your prayers for that. Um, anything else as we finish up here? Ruslan, as he says, he leaves here in about two weeks. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's it for now. He holds our tomorrows. Amen? And he is good, even when our situations are not. So, praise God.